I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. So what is the prayer of intercession and what is an intercessor? An intercessor or prayer, the prayer of intercession is prayer for another. It's not praying for yourself, it's praying for another person. It's standing in the gap, putting up the hedge on the behalf of another person. Ezekiel 22.30 says, I sought for a man among them who would stand in the gap before God. So as an intercessor, you're praying for another person. An intercessor is as a mediator. Webster's definition says a go-between, an intercessor one who interposes between two parties at variance for the purpose of reconciling them. This is very exciting, especially as we go into this. We're going to talk later on about how you can stand in the gap on the behalf of someone who is not aligned with Jesus Christ, doesn't know him as their Lord and Savior, and you're going to see the power of your prayers and how the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Kenneth E. Hagin once said, if we're not careful, we're going to lose what he called the art of intercession. And as we go into this, you'll see that there is an art to being an intercessor or praying the prayer of intercession. Okay? So... An intercessor is as a lawyer who pleads the case on the behalf of another. And so an intercessor is a lawyer. Okay, now what do lawyers use in the natural? They use the laws of the land. So if you're an intercessor and you're praying on the behalf of someone, then you are using this book of the law, the word of God. And what did God say? He said, I will hasten my word to perform it. It shall not return unto me void, but I will hasten my word to perform it. So you as a lawyer, when you use this particular law before the throne of grace, you will see answers to your prayers. Now the devil hates intercessors. I remember Kenneth E. Hagin um, teaching one time on the prayer of intercession, and he one time he was casting the devil out of somebody, And as the demons were coming out of the person, they were screaming, I hate intercessors. I hate intercessors. So that just goes to show you the power of your prayers. And I was thinking, you know, I wonder if somebody somewhere, maybe a mother, a father, a grandfather, whatever, was praying for that person that was delivered. And it was that very prayer that broke the power of the evil spirit and that very prayer that caused that person to go up in that prayer line because when you pray for someone, it makes the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain and causes things to work together according to divine order and the purposes of God. 
because we said prayer opens up the door for God to work. So God only knows if that demon was screaming, I hate intercessors, somebody was probably praying for that individual and lifting up with the idea of completely removing the scruple of conscience off of them so they could be in a position to be delivered and set free. So I think that in the realm of the spirit, there's a lot we don't see and there's a lot we don't know, but what we do know is prayer works. And so we've got to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of prayer, knowing that our labors are not in vain. And you can't give up. Jesus said in his word, men ought to always pray and not faint. You can't give up when you're praying the prayer of intercession. We're going to get into this, but I'm yielding to the Holy Ghost, and that's what I do when I teach. I have my notes, but I yield, and then we get back. You can't give up because oftentimes things get a whole lot worse before they get a whole lot better because when you begin to pray the prayer of intercession on the behalf of a person, nation, whatever the case may be, leader, sometimes things get worse before they get better. Why? Because prayer opens up the door for God to work. So if you're praying for an unsaved person, then that unsaved person is getting uncomfortable. The demons that are operating in or around that person are getting agitated because in the realm of the spirit, you're putting pressure on the enemy and he doesn't want to give up his stronghold. You remember the story of the time when Jesus cast the devil out of that little boy? Remember that story? Okay, what happened before the demons left the little boy? He, he, he put up a big stink, made a big loud noise. He tore him, and then he left. In other words, the devil put up a big stink. He knew he had to go, but he had to put on a show. Isn't that just like our enemy? So Webster's, here's another definition of an intercessor. To plead or make a request on the behalf of another to intervene with the purpose of producing agreement. Remember that. The Greek word means to get the ear of a king on the behalf of another. Who is the king of kings and lord of lords? Our God, amen? He reigns. He is high and lifted up. He is our king. So we as an intercessor, we're getting his ear on the behalf of another person. And how many of you know that God hears you when you pray? Okay, an intercessor or the prayer of intercession is the greatest act of love you could do for anybody. Jesus said in John 15, 12, and 13, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he goes on to say, greater love has no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Jesus came to the earth, Isaiah 59, 16, as an intercessor. He bridged the gap between God and sinful man. He was the intercessor. Are you listening? So what he's saying here in this scripture is the greatest act of love you can do for someone is to lay down your life Give your time to the prayer of intercession on the behalf of another person. For example, you love your pastors, correct? 
it's really nice to bring them pies and cookies and food and all kinds of things like that because you're showing them that you love them. And maybe that's your love language, acts of service. But did you know that the greatest act of love you can do for your leadership is to lay down your life, give time over to the prayer of intercession, stand in the gap for them, and intercede for them. And listen, you may not, you know what, the, the leadership may not see it, what you're doing, but God said, I see, says the Lord, and I will reward you openly. Whatever you do in secret, God always has a reward. I've been on assignment for many, many, many leaders throughout my walk with God since I learned about the prayer of intercession. And what God showed me in that was we think that it's the preacher doing all the work. And it's the preacher, oh, he's so anointed, or she's so anointed. Oh, the preacher, and man, we had a move of God. And oh, the preacher was hot on fire. But nobody knows about the intercessors that are in the back room, hiding in the closet, so to speak, and standing in the gap and praying on the behalf of that leadership. And because prayer opens up the door for God to work, it opened up the door for people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It opened up the door for signs and wonders and miracles. It opened up the door for that leader to be so anointed. Yes, they studied to show themselves approved unto God. Yes, they do what's right. But you know that when you pray, uh, pray for them, it causes a fresh fire and a fresh anointing to come upon them. Are you listening? So it is the greatest act of love. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25 says that we have a high priest, Jesus, and the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession. He what? He ever lives to make intercession. So that ministry of intercession is a continual uh, priestly ministry, okay? But the intercessor, Jesus, is on the inside of you. And what we need to do is we need to release Jesus, the intercessor. He is longing to flow through you. He's longing to flow through me. But we have to yield to him, and we have to say yes. Are you listening? First um, John 4, 17 says, As he is, so are we. In this world, Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the intercessor is on the inside of you. He ever lives to make intercession, and he needs to be loosed and let go. <laughs> Did you get all that? Am I giving you enough scripture? I had somebody say to me one time, she, they said, you, you know, you've been firing the gun like this, the, metaphorically. He said, but God said, I'm going to make you a sharp shooter, and you're going to get a whole lot more accomplished uh, in these latter years than you did in your former years. And I believe that's what's happening even right here in prayer school. We're just sharpshooting. <laughs> and listen, this is how it works. We've said this to you before. Spiritual things are transferable. And it may be like, I, I, I just, this is just so much information, but it's going into your heart. 
It does not return void. The measure of what I carry is being imparted to you, and when you need it, it's going to come back. As a matter of fact, I hear the Lord saying, or I sense him thinking, that's a better way to put it, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is being imparted to you. How is that possible? Through the preaching of the word, through a person who carries that measure and that anointing. Okay, let's go on. I like this definition. Intercession involves taking hold of God's will, his word, and his promises, and refusing to let go until his will comes to pass. That's why we call it the art of intercession, and we'll talk more about that. How many of you have ever heard the saying of praying through? We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. You don't pray through when you're praying for yourself. Are you listening? I'm going to say since right here, we're going to stop right here for just a minute. I had a, we used to do these KIU events where we called churches and believers together under one roof, and the pastors always let us use their building, and then we would teach on prayer, and then we would pray. And so there was this one woman that used to come to my meetings all the time, and I thought she was really mature, and she understood the art of intercession. And one time I got an inbox from her, and she said, I have the whole day off today, and I, I have some needs in my life, so I'm just going to pray through all day until I know in my heart that those needs have been met. And the Holy Spirit said to me, she's mixing up the prayer of faith with the prayer of intercession. You don't have to pray through to victory when you're believing God for something in your personal life. But when it comes to the art of intercession, there is a place in prayer that you have to pray through to victory. Stay with me. We're only on day one. Okay, let's go on. Okay, so intercessory prayer. You can pray for your family member. You can uh, engage in this kind of prayer when praying for your city. You can engage in this kind of prayer when you're praying for your nation. You can engage in this kind of prayer when you're praying for revival, you're contending for revival. You can pray this prayer when you're praying for your church or your ministry. Now, the call to the prayer of intercession is for all believers. The role of the mediator or intercessor in prayer was prevalent in the Old Testament in the lives of Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel, Hezekiah, Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Under the Old Covenant, not everyone had access to God. So God called the leaders, the priests, and the prophets of Israel to intercede on the behalf of the people. In the New Covenant, that is, has all changed. We all have access to God through Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate intercessor. Remember, he's on the inside of you. That's why I take so much time in, in teaching on the prayer of intercession. The Holy Spirit does is because the, the intercessor is on the inside of each and every one of us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, 
and can release a tremendous power in the earth. You think about the Old Testament, you think about what happened in the book of Acts. You know, the Bible says, I don't know, I think it's in the book of Acts somewhere, where it says if they had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Is that Acts? Corinthians. If they had known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Not only were everybody, you know, people were born again all over and the gospel was being preached, but the intercessors also on the inside of us. So in the secret place, we could see things change. Okay? Let's go on. Now, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 11. We're going to explain some things. We're good on time. We have about another half hour. I want to talk to you from, the, from Luke chapter 11, and we're going to see that Jesus leads and teaches prayer to his disciples through precept and example. Now, by example, you've heard pastor say this because I was here one Sunday and he talked about it or sometime. Jesus was our model as a man of prayer. The, and I can prove it. Luke 5, 15 through 16, the more famous he became, the more he withdrew and he prayed. Luke 6, 11 through 13, after healing the man with the withered hand, the religious people of that day were really angry. They were mad. They were filled with rage. But what did Jesus do? He went up into the mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer unto God. He modeled prayer. And when daylight came, that's when he made some decisions. He chose his disciples. Mark 1, 34 through 35, the Bible says, that he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, what did he do? He went out, he departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Thank you, Jesus. He prayed. Even Jesus prayed. Well, he was the son of God. But Jesus needed that intimate time alone with his father. Matthew 14, 13, after the death of John the Baptist, what did he do? When Jesus heard it, instead of retaliating, he departed there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Lastly, Matthew 14, 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray and then when evening came, he was alone. So by example, Jesus showed us that we need that he was a man of prayer. And how many of you like to follow people that are good examples? And you know what? I, I think the disciples, if you follow someone long enough, you see their lifestyle. You know how they live. And, and the disciples saw the lifestyle of Jesus that after miracles, signs, wonders, after the death of his best friend or the person that really knew him, he would always go and he would pray. Before he ever made any decisions, he would always pray. And they watched Jesus. And look here at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day they came to him and they asked him this question. And it came to pass when he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, we've been watching you. <laughs> And you disappear. Sometimes we can't even find you. Lord, we know what you're doing up there. You're praying. 
Now, teach us how to pray. I want you to notice they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Although you can teach people how the art of preaching. T.D. Jakes does that with his people. He teaches, he taught Paula White. Okay? There is an art to being a good communicator. He didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Lord, teach us how to flow in the Spirit. Teach us how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. You can teach that. Okay? You really can teach people how to flow. Lord, teach us how to prophesy. They didn't say that, did they? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. See, all true ministry is born out of intimacy with God. And where does intimacy come from? From your prayer life, from your time alone with Jesus. Okay? Now, Jesus is going to teach them to pray. Let's see what he does. Look here at verse 2. And he said to them, all right, when you pray, number one, he introduced them. This is, a, this is 10 weeks of teaching. Number one, when you pray, you say, our Father. He introduces, I love this, the disciples to the heart of the Father. It's not our message, but it, I, I want to say it. They didn't, Jesus didn't say, when you pray, say Adonai or Jehovah Nisi or Jehovah Sidkenu or Jehovah Rapha, the God of the first name basis. Okay? They, he introduced the disciples to a father and relationship with a father. That's why when you're a child of God, we cry, the scripture says, Abba, Daddy, God. It's a love. It's an intimacy. So he teaches the disciples, first of all, a father. So you say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, verse 3, give us, Day by day, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, where is the emphasis in this prayer? Us. So, I would like to say it like this. He's teaching them how to get their own needs met. He's teaching them how to get bread for themselves. He's teaching them the art of the prayer forgiveness. He's teaching them, you know, how to stay sensitive and not to be led into temptation. So the emphasis is on me. And to me, that looks a whole lot like Mark 11, 23 and 24. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, and you will have it. And then when you stand praying, forgive. Otherwise, God doesn't hear you. <laughs> because if I regard iniquity in my heart, what? The Lord will not hear me. So the emphasis is really on teaching the disciples how to get their own needs met and how to keep their heart right. Are you with me? Okay? Verse 5. 
Now he goes on, he's going to teach them the prayer of intercession. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? Which of you will have a friend and you go into him at midnight and you say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Okay, now stay with me. Which of you, you're an intercessor and you have a friend, put a capital F on there, and that friend owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That friend would that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That friend so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would never perish but have everlasting life. That friend is a good, good, good father. That friend is consistent. That friend stands by his word and he knows, or he knows what is going on. Which of you have a friend like that? What is his name? El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough, our Heavenly Father. And you are going to him at midnight. You're an intercessor. And you're going to him, notice it says here, at midnight. Now in the natural, midnight is a very inconvenient hour of the day. So I think Jesus is making a point here. But aren't you glad that our Father never slumbers nor sleeps? So you are an intercessor and you're going to him and you're saying, friend, source of help, I know what you said about yourself in the word. I know all your word. I know the scriptures. I actually know who I am in Christ because I I've been a Christian a long time and I know my authority. I'm coming to you and I'm asking you for something, but it's not for me. I need bread. Who do you need bread for? For it, He's saying, lend me three loaves. He's asking specifically for three loaves. I need bread, but for who? Verse 6. For a friend of mine. I remember they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I believe the prayer of intercession is one of the most powerful prayers spoken of in the word of God. Why do you need the three loaves? For a friend of mine has come to me in his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. I like to look at it like this. For a friend of mine has come to me in his journey in life, and I in the natural have nothing to set before him. I don't have anything to give him. But you, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. You're the God who, who, who so loved the world. You're the God of all grace and mercy and comfort. So I'm coming to you on the behalf of my friend. Now, verse 7. And he from within will answer and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you. But we're going to find out in verse 8 that the intercessor was not moved by the response of the friend. That's why we said earlier, you got to keep praying and not faint. Now also know this, God's not holding anything back. He's just teaching us the art of intercession in these verses. Verse 8, I say to you, Jesus said, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, he will rise and give him not just three loaves. <laughs> he will rise and give him as many as he needs. 
See, you have to understand that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask, hope, dream, or desire. So if you're going to God on the behalf of a friend and you're interceding on their behalf and you ask for three loaves, I can guarantee you one thing, God is going to supersede all your expectations. Now, why was there results in this prayer? He said, I'm going to give it to him, not because he is his friend, but because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Another translation says, importunity. So now remember, we're talking about the prayer of intercession. Let's see if I can find a definition. Importunity means... The state or quality of being importunate, persistent in solicitation. Solicitation as an entreaty, urging, or a petition, or a request. Persistent, I love this part, in asking or demanding. So the prayer of intercession, you go before the throne room of grace, Hebrews 4.16, and you're persistent in asking of God, but you're not demanding him. You're demanding of the devil. Get your hands off of my loved one. I command you in the name of Jesus, get your hands off of them. It's a good teaching, thank you very much. Powerful anointing in this church. I'm still trying to figure out what you're doing. Ian Bounds said, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, Lay one hand on me and one hand on their nation. I would restore all that the canker worm and the locust has eaten, for great darkness has covered this nation, but the light of my glory will begin to shine as my people are in persistence in asking and demanding of the darkness that has increased to be dispelled in my name. Haven't I said in my word that in my name you will cast out devils? Many of my watchmen have been asleep, but I am calling forth the watchmen to arise. I'm calling forth the watchmen to begin to take their place, to get back up on the wall. For many of my watchmen have grown weary and well-doing because of the attacks of the enemy to keep them off of their post. But I call you this day to get back on the walls of your nation. Take back what the enemy has stolen. Take it back, says the Lord. You have the power on this earth to use my name, and in my name you will cast out devils. The enemy is afraid of you, my people, taking your place in prayer. But this day I say unto you, 
that I am ramping up the prayer movement. And many of you that have laid down your mantle, you are going to see a great light. And you're going to see, uh, I'm going to give you dreams and visions in the night, not only of what I want you to do individually, but what I want you to do as you join arms and with those that I've called you to stand with in building my kingdom. So I'm going to impart unto my people, my watchmen, a greater fervor for prayer. And they're going to have a greater vision in prayer because I'm going to write the vision on the tablets of their hearts. And they're going to see things like they've never seen before. For the prophetic movement is not just for man to man. The prophetic movement ha was, was um, in, uh, it needed to be engaged in because I wanted to equip my church so that they could do the greater works. And that is to call this nation back to repentance and call the, the, the things that be not as though they were and begin to use their place in prayer and in intercession. Didn't I say that you are a prophetic people? Arise, my people, and shine. And use what I've given you in the place of prayer, not just man word, but use what I've given to you in the place of prayer, and you will see great and mighty things. I said I would show you things to come, and now I say to you this night, when you call upon me, I will answer you. I will show you great and mighty things. I say unto you, don't grow weary in well-doing. You are doing well, but some have grown weary. Don't grow weary. You will see a great harvest if you don't faint and if you don't give up. But I'm calling forth the watchmen to get back on your wall. Take back what the enemy has stolen. Good, do it, says the Lord. Didn't Hasekeah Maniah? If you give up the toys of the senses, I said through Kenneth e. Hagen, I would give you the riches of my spirit. So take back what the enemy has stolen. Get back up on your wall. Take your place, and you will see great and mighty things. something coming on me right now let's let's say lift up your hands say lord i receive lord i receive it <laughs> lord i tell you i i was born for this the people that are listening are were born for this we're tough the new new jersey is tough the east coast people are tough we we're born for this you have ordained the places in which we are to live. We're born for this, and we are ordained to live here, and we are on assignment. Ooh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ian Bound said, Jesus taught that perseverance is the essential element of prayer. That's what happened. People got tired. And who could blame them? Well, he did a lot of praying. And people got tired. But he's, <laughs> he's strengthening us with might by his spirit in our inner man. He's renewing our strength. 
and we'll mount up on our walls as watchmen, and we'll have eyes to see and ears to hear. <laughs> Isn't there a scripture that says there is a song? They went back into the enemy's camp and took back what was stolen. It's a song. That's what we're, we're going to do. All right, let's try to close. I have 10 more minutes. All right, how do we approach him? We approach him with confidence. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm no longer sin, I'm filled with sin or have the sin nature. I have the nature of Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I can go boldly to the throne of grace because when the Father sees me, he sees the finished work and he sees Jesus. He sees the blood. He sees you. He sees Jesus. I can't pray. Uh, I, I, I ate so many cookies last night. I feel so guilty. I can't pray. Get over it. There's more things yet to be done. Get over it. I know, but you don't know what I did the other day. Oh, the other day I cursed at so-and-so and so-and-so, and I was so mad. I just did all kinds of things and said things I didn't. Get over it. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and do what? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We have too much work to do for you to be, you know, laying around and, and feeling bad and feeling shameful and feeling guilty. Jesus bore all of that for you. We have work to do. Let me ask you a question. In these verses of scripture, the ones from 6 to 9, who did all the work? Who was doing all the work? Who was doing all the asking? Who was doing all the persistent uh, demanding? Who did all the work in this scripture? Was it the person at home in his journey in life? The Bible doesn't tell us, but he was probably doing somewhere, sleeping. It was the intercessor. That's why I tell people intercession is a labor of love, and there is a place in intercession where it is labor. That's why it's important to fill yourself up by worshiping God, spending time worshiping him. Because when you're interceding and you're praying and standing in the gap, you're giving out of yourself and you're pouring out of yourself, and it is work, so to speak. There's a grace to it, but it's work. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of prayer. I'm putting prayer in there. Knowing that your labors are not in vain. But intercessors, watchmen, Revelations 14, 13 says that your works or your labors will follow you. So when you're an intercessor and you're doing your, your part in building the kingdom in the place of prayer, your labors uh, will follow you. So you're laying up treasure in heaven. And nothing can get in and steal it or corrupt it. Whatever you do in the secret place, God said, I will reward you. So it's living in the light of eternity. Okay? Now, two more, three more scriptures and we're going to close. Go to Job 9. Job 9. I used to... I always put the page number of the book of Job in my notes because I'm not real good with knowing the order of the books of the Bible in the Old Testament. <laughs> do you guys ever do that? Oh, good. I'm not the only one. We're, we cheat a little bit, you know. 
Oh, we know all, we're all that. We know exactly where to go. Job is right there. Yo, we got the page number. Okay, ready? Job 9.32. I love this. This is going to pull everything together before we close. Job saw his need for an intercessor. He says here in verse 32, for God, well, he, God is not a man as I am that I should answer him. And that we should go to where? Court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand upon us both. So an intercessor, we said, I'm going to say it again, lays one hand on God and one hand on man. And you're the mediator. You're the, you're the uh, connection between God and that unsaved person. And I remember Kenneth e. Hagin saying, some people will never get saved, never get healed, unless somebody intercedes for them. Pretty interesting, right? Go to Job 22. I'm going to read you directly out of the Amplified. Job 22, 26 through 30. Then you will have your delight in the Almighty, and you will lift up your face to God. You will pray to him, and he will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will decide and decree a thing, and it will be established for you. And the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. When you are cast down and humbled, you will speak with confidence. And the humble person he will lift up and save. And he will even rescue the one for whom you intercede, who is not innocent, he will be rescued through the cleanness of your hands. That unsaved person doesn't have clean hands and a pure heart. But you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you got clean hands, brother, sister. You can rescue someone from darkness through your prayers. Jude, Jude 1 somewhere says... And if some have compassion and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the darkness, sparred by the flesh. You can pull people out of darkness through your prayers. I don't want to get into too much of a detail, but I have a friend who interceded for her daughter. Her daughter was on the wrong road, on the wrong path, you know, doing the wrong thing thinking she was with, with, supposed to be a certain gender, and, and the whole thing. She prayed her daughter right up out of that with her persistence and her prayers. And she went boldly to the throne of grace, and she kept obtaining mercy, and she kept persistently asking of God and demanding of the devil to take his hands off of her. And she quoted scripture. She quoted the promises of God which are all yes and amen. Last scripture, and we'll close. Job 42. What's in it for me? Well, there's something in it for you. Watchmen. 
Do you know that I feel the greatest ministry is the ministry of prayer? The greatest ministry is the ministry of intercession. You got some water, honey? You got it? I'm an empath, can you tell? <laughs> but I believe the greatest ministry is the ministry of intercession. I, used, I, 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 I never asked for this, to be like, oh, I'm an introvert. I was, as a little girl, if you looked at me, I would shrink like a violet. I was that shy. So I was very comfortable just being hidden in the house, hidden in a prayer closet. And then God said, that's, that's not it. That's not all I have for you. You have to say yes. That's where you pray, not my will. Your will be done. But I believe the prayer of intercession is one of the greatest ministries there is. And it's an unseen ministry, but I see, says the Lord, and I will reward you openly. Job 42.10, and the Lord restored Job's losses. When did he restore Job's losses? When he prayed for his friends. <laughs> Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So you have needs. You have things in your life. But when you operate in the greatest law of love, which is to be an intercessor, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, I, we can come up, guys, as, and ladies. As a matter of fact... Sometime tonight or tomorrow in your devotional, read Deuteronomy 28, the part where it says the blessings. It says, you can go ahead and start playing, that that scripture says, if you will obey my commandments, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. How many know that scripture? Deuteronomy 28, have you ever read it? Do you know that when you're operating as an intercessor and operating in this law of love by laying down your life on the behalf of another person or nation or city or ministry, whatever, do you know that you're setting into motion the blessings of Deuteronomy 28? Let's stand. Because the only law that we're supposed to operate under under the New Testament is the law of love. Love your... Lord your God, and then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So you're opening up the door for God to work in your life and bless you. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.